Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where we work our way through who I think are the most relevant players for you to consider in your fantasy footy sides for 2022. Gosh, we're, we're nearing the 20s. It is crazy to think that's where we are. But number 32 today on the 50 Most Relevant is Cam Guthrie. For some, they see the name of the title of this podcast that and they're convinced that I've made a mistake putting him in, let alone putting him at this point. But as we'll certainly see over the next couple of minutes, he deserves his place in the 50 most relevant. Joining me on this episode, I've got Louis back. Hello, mate. How are you? Good. Thanks, MJ. How about yourself, matey? I'm, I'm doing well. And, and Guthrie's this real polarizing type of player, isn't he? That people that have jumped on him at various points in times over the past few years, he almost feels like this the dirty little secret of fantasy footy, doesn't he? It's like if you have him, you almost feel guilty for having him because as we'll talk about in his numbers in a moment, he's been super consistent for the better part of two years. He does. He's a little bit like your Jared Lyons. Uh, where yeah. He's quite unique and just not really, I guess you'd call it, he's not a sexy pick. Mm. But at the end of the day, you look at the numbers and they stack up with the best of them. They really do. And let's look through some of those numbers. 29 years of age, midfielder only eligible yet again this year. But his best scores for us came from a career perspective this year. It was a 153 against the Hawks in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, while it was 163 in Supercoach in that same game. Like I said, they're not just his best for 2021. Their career numbers, as are the averages that he put up for us, a 109.9. Yeah, he just missed that magical elusive mark of 110 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, but a 113.3 in Supercoach. In that format, he's setting you back just over 615K, while in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, where certainly your salary cap is larger, but as a result, so too are your prices. And you see it with a player like this, because in AFL Fantasy, he's $922,000, or just a touch off 940,000 in AFL Dream Team. And Louis, we'll, we'll look into his numbers in a sec, but one of the things that I know you're really bullish on and so is fellow coaches panelist Kane looking at is these premiums that we look to get into our sides, certainly as starting squad candidates, but overall throughout the year, is you want a midfielder that can get it done on the inside, on the outside, that can junk it, that can work through hard moments in a game, and he absolutely does that almost every single week without failure. Oh, 100%. I mean, this is a guy, as you said, 29 years old. So he's he's almost right at the peak of his powers from a footballing sense. Uh, he's averaging 29 disposals, five clearances, four tackles, 5.6 marks. Like This wow. is a guy who's filling every single stat line, probably bar just um, hitting the scoreboard, which with how much he's actually accumulating the ball doesn't matter as much. I mean... He's just proving that he can win it, he can contest it, and then he spreads hard from the stoppage to really build up his fantasy score. And he's doing all of this in a really small amount of time on ground. And he yeah. averaged 73% in 2021. So his points per minute are just through the roof. He is one of those players, isn't he, that we 
if you've owned him at, at any point in time over the past year, certainly more this year than previous years, is you if you ever watch the scores mid-game, he's the kind of guy, and Jared Lyons is the perfect contrast, where you'll see this score just balloon out and you don't know where it's come from. And yet if you're playing against him, and he's got a head-to-head matchup, and you're going, oh, man, Guthrie's the unique. I've got to watch it. Then you see these flowing treadlocks all over the ground because the guy, as you said, is everywhere. He ranked 18th in the league for stoppage clearances in, in total, 12th for disposals, 13th for handballs, um, 7th for uncontested possessions, 13th for total stoppage clearances, and 12th for total effective disposals. So when he gets the ball, he doesn't waste the ball. When he gets the ball, he can get it done on the inside at clearance, and he can also find space in that Geelong high possession retention game style. From a fantasy perspective, this is a quick sneak peek of what he did over his 20 games. The average in Dream Team and Fantasy was that 109.9 average. It consisted of 16 tons and four over 130. So yeah, maybe not the frequency of ceiling that we want, but the frequency of 110 to 115, 120 scores is absolutely electric for us. Just the four scores under 100 all year and just the one sub 80 score. And that was an injury impacted score um, in round 16. He wasn't subbed off. Geelong had already activated the sub at that point. But if you go and look at that time on ground, which as Louis, you pointed out, it's not high really anyway. Um, it, it was drastically down in that game. And so that's a really consistent year from us. In terms of averages, He's ranked 11th in Dream Team and Fantasy, top 11 average for the year. Yeah, you've got to talk about a guy at that high. His averages, higher than these big four players, Sam Walsh, Clayton Oliver, Marcus Bontempelli, and Darcy Parrish. We'll talk about his super coach numbers in a second, but Louis, some of those names that we've just rattled off are locks for people in their preseason side and almost like Jared Lyons. People are just glossing over what Guthrie did as if it's never going to happen again. Yeah, they are. And you briefly touched on it, MJ. That may be due to the fact that he's not a guy who likes to go or rather does go over 130 very often. Mm. He likes to hover at that sort of 120 mark, 110 to 120 mark. So he really just week after week puts in a consistent score, which results in, you know, such a... um, great average. I mean, 109.9 is up there with the best of them. And it's quite funny. You, you always see there's a Geelong player, I mean, for years now, that's going to be very high up in the mm. midfielder rankings for fantasy. And that's pretty much because under Chris Scott, they've played a high kick mark game for, for a very long time now. And uh, we were talking just briefly before the podcast, MJ, it doesn't look like they're going to change that. They've, no. they've built a game plan around this. They're they're well and truly uh, in the window. In fact, they're probably racing before it is shut. Father so time is closing in, yeah. Balls to the wall. They're going to go in for this premiership. And I think um, that's where we can see Cam Guthrie almost, well, I'd be quite confident in saying, actually repeat this again in 2022. Yeah, I, I definitely believe that's the case because from a super coach perspective, he's arguably better at, from a scoring perspective. The average of 113 featured eight times. Six of those he converted into 130 plus scores. So that's that captaincy consideration and just the two scores beneath 80. Ranked 16th for averages, and that's higher than Andy Brayshaw, Christian Petrarca, 
who we just spoke about just a few days ago on the 50 most relevant. Yep. Guthrie's got a higher average than him. Callum Mills, again, someone that's already featured in the 50 most relevant and the roundling reigning Brownlow medalist in Ollie Wines. He took his game to new heights in 2021. But it was there in 2020 when he became an All-Australian. He ranked 15th for total points in Dream Team and Fantasy. So he's backed it up now in that format two years in a row and 30th for total points in Supercoach last year in 2020. So we've now got two years of data that gives us strong confidence that he's a scorer. He scores in wins. He scores in losses. He scores regardless of who's in or out of that midfield unit. And he's got such low scoring deviation that while he might not be the perfect captain candidate for people, he'll always be there. And and I think you're spot on, Louis, when it comes to that analysis of that Geelong side. I know there is this narrative that's maybe amongst some football believers that well, Geelong have had two years of failed premiership success or three or four, however long you want to go back. But everything about this Geelong list profile is built in and around Tom Hawkins, Patrick Dangerfield, Joel Selwood, these old hands, these arguably generational Hall of Fame talents. They're not wanting to waste their final years in the AFL. And so to think they're going to regress and fully blood the kids almost feels a little naive. Oh, it absolutely is. And that's part of why we're actually seeing Cam Guthrie sort of have this breakout two years. I mean, he's only well, he was 28 last year, 29 going into this year. And that's partly because, look, Selwood, he is approaching that cliff. Dangerfield mm. splits his time between the midfield and the forward line. Maybe he's not as quick as what he used to be, getting a few niggles. Um, Duncan, who is a similar age, he splits his time between the wings. Um, and then you've got sort of your younger players, Narkel and Parfit, who mm. at this point in their career, they're still bit players. So all of a sudden you look at Cam Guthrie and, and you just ask yourself, is he now the number one midfielder at Geelong? Is this the guy that, they're relying on. And when you yeah. look at the stat sheet, I mean, six clearances a game, um, about four tackles a game, uh, six marks a game, all of a sudden he is. This is the guy who's filling out the stat sheet and doing all the heavy lifting in that engine room, albeit with a really low time on ground, which kind of makes it even more impressive. It, it really does, isn't it? We look at what he's been able to deliver for us over the totality of these past few weeks and months, um, really since he has emerged. And it's scary to consider what he's been able to do. It just shows you just how good he can be um, over that past little bit of time. Uh, as a reminder for us, over the past seven weeks of last year, if you want a reminder of what he did, 114 in Dream Team and Fantasy. So even in the last four weeks, uh, sorry, seven weeks, he's offering value. He went at 119 in Supercoach. So there is a world where he can push it up just another gear again. But for me, what's interesting about him, Louis, is it feels like over the past two years, if you get the timing right at the right price point, that's probably the right time to make the move on Guthrie. Because if we were to be honest and go, look, over the season, is he a top eight averaging midfielder in Supercoach? Well, my answer is no. I just don't see him pushing the 120 marker, which is what you do need in Supercoach. Could he be a 115 midfielder in, in Dream Team and Fantasy? Well, of course he could. 
but could he outdo the Mitchells, the McRae's, the Steels, um, just to name a few, the Sam Walsh flagged emergence, the Clary Oliver, though he beat him last year, could he do it again? I struggle to see a world where people feel really comfortable with him in their starting squad, probably top four or five premium midfielders, because while there is a little bit of value, what you brought up so beautifully earlier was in Dream Team and Fantasy especially, he doesn't have that high frequency of 125, 130-plus scores that gives you that real security that you want early on in the year to put the VC or C on him. That's right. And for that reason, as a starting option, he's a player who's not going to quickly get away from you. And yeah. also looking at things from a uh, ownership percentage, he's not going to be a player that particularly hurts you either. I mean, there might be the shrewd coaches that pick him early and they they get on a winner and they ride that for as sure. long as they can. There's always going to be that. But to me, he's a guy who very solidly gives you a 100 to 115 every single week. Yep, And that's what makes him such a great upgrade target because he's always going to be at a price and unless he does go nuts. Mm. But if he goes 120, 120, 120, 90, all of a sudden that break even rises and he just dips a little bit for a couple of weeks. And that's when, I know I did in 2021, that's when he's such a great option to actually bring into your team as a consistent guy that can go at that 110 that you're going to expect to do that each and every week and I think it's just going to, I think in terms of scope of improvement, I think he can just nudge a few more points in there because if anything, uh, he's fresher than everybody else in that midfield, like we talked about. Yeah, there's going to be a, uh, for me, it feels like there's this game that all you need, injuries are always dangerous to hope and pray for, but what the real narrative you'd be looking for is a game where, Geelong don't get that possession game style going, whether it be because of like a wet weather footy or they get absolutely smashed through the midfield or something like that. Because if you can then jump on him at that right timing, you look like a genius. Like, for example, in round 14 last year, he scores 80s across the formats. He then the following week gives... 100 scores across the formats. The next week, cops a little bit of an injury in that Essendon game, rebounds the, the following week with 100. That's the point. You wanted to jump on him because what do you do after that in Dream Team and Fantasy? 118, 117, 119, 102, 131, 110. From that point in time, after he hits that first 100 post-injury impacted game, 108, 120, 147, 99, 133, 115. Like that scoring is incredible. And it's very, very similar from earlier in the year too with 150s in Dream Team and Fantasy, multiple 130s and high 130s. Every ton he gets just about converted into a 110-plus score. Of all of his tons last year in AFL, Fantasy and Dream Team, which by the way, there were 16 of them, so it's decent. All bar two, uh, sorry, by three were 110 plus. That's exactly what you're looking for. And so he's a fantasy scorer. He's in a team that love the ball in his hands. He gets into space. He wins the contested ball. He wins the uncontested ball. He's probably not someone you're happy to put the captaincy on in the early portion of the year, but he is somebody that scores regularly. And if you can time the price jump on right, you're all aboard and you're away. At time of recording, the only format that's open to the public is AFL Fantasy, 
want to have a guess, Louis, at how many coaches are currently on him from a percentage? Well, I'd give you 2%, MJ. And you're pretty much double on what he is. He's in less than 1% of teams. And that'll continue up until probably round 12 to 15 because he's just not a popular pick often. You know, it's not an attractive like you said, no. a lot of the shrewd coaches, they jump on at the right time and that's when they can get his scoring. But overall, he's a guy that uh, pretty much always stays unique. Even for me last year, I yeah. picked him um, from that round 14 onwards when he went on that string of hundreds. And I think by the end of it, he was still on about 6% ownership by you know, rounds 22. So he's a guy that's going to be your point of difference. Yeah. He's going to score you well because of it. Yeah. I, I think it's important to remember when you're looking at bringing in these guys as starting considerations, you're bringing in premiums at this point, point in time to be captains and to be options that you think can outperform or at the very least hold the average. But with the magic number, he needs to go 120 plus over the first four to five weeks to hold that price point. So unless he does that over the first month, I only see a, a natural small price point regression. And from that point on, I'm certainly looking at Cameron Guthrie in my eyes as one of those early options that can create separation in your side that can create a really nice point of difference. For those curious, over the opening six weeks of the, the year, this is what it looks like for the Cats. Essendon, Sydney, Collingwood, Brisbane, Hawthorne, North Melbourne. That's not a bad run of matches there for a Geelong possession-heavy game style, is it, Louis? Oh, big time. See, and there you go. That's the string where he could actually put that together. But It could be. He's, he's not going to get away from you either. So No, I think uh, that's a fair I'll call. keenly watch Cam Guthrie in 2022, not only from a fantasy perspective, but as a footballer, I think he's a super player and really quite underrated. Yeah, no, I think it's a really nice shout. All right, it sounds like we're both watching, not starting, but got him on the watch list across the formats for us. Draft day is going to be fascinating for me, Louis, because every draft is ultimately different and the, the coaches have different mindsets and different strategies around them. But a lot of coaches do have this aversion to picking players like a Guthrie the exception to the rule would probably be if you owned him last year or the year prior and you remember the consistency he brings then boy are you keen on him I think he's an M2 but the where M's, M2s go this year could be fascinating for me I think there's a world where he could go as early as somewhere in the third round but there might be some drafts if they're get on a forward run if they decide they need to lock away a second upper tier defender or they just ascribe way too much value to a name he could drift out to the fourth and maybe even the early fifth not much beyond that where do you see him going on draft day no i've got him exactly the same mj and that's partly just because he doesn't carry that name value as some other players do and even players who haven't averaged the same as what guthrie has in the past two years um, because of that name, I guess, and it's it's nothing against him. No. Um, some coaches just prefer to pick someone who feels safer, someone they maybe prefer to watch instead, or just someone that they've got some sort of allegiance to because the last two, three, four years in draft, they've always gone for them at a certain point. So mm. I think, yep, an M2, and I think sliding into the third, sorry, in the third round and maybe sliding into the fourth. Mm, yeah, I think that could be fair. And look, if you're picking him up at, 
M2 or maybe even an M3 in the fourth round, depending on how you draft. You, you've got clearly a very nice start on draft day. Hey, Louis, appreciate your work today on the 50 Most Relevant. No, thanks for having me as always, MJ. No, mate, it's a pleasure to have you a part of these podcasts and a part of the coaches panel in 2022. If you're loving what Louis is delivering in the preseason, make sure you check him out on Twitter. It's at Louis AF. He's doing some brilliant stuff uh, for the fantasy community at, at really abroad. You hear him on the pod pod as well. You can go and check that out um, on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Louis got all the links in his Twitter profile for all of that as well. If you're loving what you're getting from the coaches panel in 2022, please keep making sure you check back to coachespanel.tv every single day. We've got articles dropping every day of the 50 most relevant, as are these podcasts. If you want to get them early, you can join our Patreon supporter group. You'll get access to them and a bunch of other awards just as a thank you for your support as a Patreon member in 2022. Tomorrow, we hit the number 31 in the 50 most relevant. And this is probably the most overtly obvious clue I've given so far in the 50 most relevant. Maybe I'm just running out of ways to tease it. Here's what I'll tell you. This guy is ranked in the top 10 for points in Supercoach last year. He's ranked in AFL Dream Team and AFL Fantasy inside the top 15. Yep. He's a top 10 guy right now in, in Supercoach and a top 15 guy in AFL Dream Team and Fantasy. Who is he? Does he regress? Is there a boost still to come? Or does he just hold form and still be a really fine fantasy player for us? You'll find about, about him tomorrow on the 50 Most Relevant.